Here we are, guys. What's up, sons and daughters? We are live on video for the first time. Shout out to you know getting all this set up. It should be really cool. We're really excited to start having these live on video. You can actually see what we look like in person. Do we have to go through like introductions or something, or should they get the picture with this? I, I don't know, but here we are. I'm Sam. Say your name and your major and one fun fact fun, about yourself. One fun fact about yourself. Well, um, here's a fun fact about all of us. We're all under 500 on our picks so far through the first four weeks. I'm here with the crew, Brett, Robert Irby, and Chris. And look, we're, we're not doing so well, fellas. But maybe the switch to video will up the ante for our, uh, for our picks. Pressure's on now. I mean... You know, yeah, they the have to like the... look at me make this pick. You know, they have to see the uh, uncertainty on my face as I make my point. The complete. Oh, we lost Brett. There he goes. Brett, we lost you in the KB Dome back there. Oh God, it's pretty hard. Pretty easy place to get lost in. <laughs> it looks like it's just one giant room. It's, it's such like an enormous room. stadium. Yeah, it's so That's easy to get lost. It's literally, you take a soup can, cut it in half, and lay it on its side. That's what it is. Did you know that they have like field side seating with full bar service? Yeah, it's it yeah, it's insane. It's like for what it is, it's like the craziest stadium. ESPN did a feature on it. Well, I think that would be a great locks trip to go out to the Kibbe Dome. Uh, we might talk about another team from Iowa, Idaho, excuse me, Idaho, a little bit later in the podcast. But guys, let's kick it off in the southeast with uh probably the biggest game on the noon slate. Kentucky plus six and a half at Ole Miss. The Wildcats and the Rebels. This is a big game in the SEC for two teams. Two top 15 teams are playing in this one. Brett, you get the honors. Kick us off. That's weird going first. Like Irby said before, he's used to going first. Now everybody gets just to disagree with me and make me look dumb. <laughs> but uh, no, I think this is I think this is a tough one. Um, you know, six and a half. Tough spot. You're basically saying it's Kentucky. You know, it was almost better than a touchdown than Kentucky um, at home. And uh, I don't think so. I think Kentucky plays tougher football than Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss has been, you know, they've been good. And I'm not going to say they've been great, but um, I would say that overall, I think Kentucky's just a better team and a tougher team. So I think Kentucky's going to go in there. I think they're actually going to beat Ole Miss outright um, at a stadium that. I don't think is that intimidating at all, uh, personally. So, no, I like- actually talked about um, Lane Kiffin Ted in his uh, press conference today that he has basically given up on asking people to come to games. Yeah, and it will not- be 11 a.m. local time. Yeah, like if this game was at Kentucky, like Ole Miss would probably would just they wouldn't know what to do because uh, Lexington, the state, I forgot the name of the stadium. I know the uh, Rupp Arena, but I forgot the bat. That's the basketball. Anyway, Kentucky's fans always show out and go crazy. Ole Miss, not so much. So I think Kentucky goes in there, and I think they actually win this game outright. Also, this spread opened at one and a half. Um, Kentucky one and a half dogs. Let's move all the way to six and a half. And I, where did I see? 76% of bets are going on Kentucky right now, and the money's about half and half. So people were kind of scared, obviously, of putting a lot on that spread. A lot of people were betting Kentucky. Two third, uh, three fourths people bring Kentucky, but they're not putting a lot on it. So, but I still think Kentucky goes in without right. 
Yeah, um, I think this is a really tough one, and I kind of agree with you that I do think Kentucky wins this one outright even. Uh, again, we talked – Ole Miss doesn't have a home field advantage, uh, not like these guys back here at Husky Stadium. No one shows up to games. So I think you can basically take whatever hook you're thinking of for home field band for Ole Miss, so you can throw it out the window. And another thing, something that we haven't dealt with with Ole Miss for a while is there are some question marks on this Ole Miss offense. They have been really inconsistent. Last week against Tulsa, not uh, SEC defense, they're playing Tulsa. They had zero points in the second half, and they gave up 27 points to Tulsa's backup quarterback. Will Levis might not be the NFL superstar that he's been you know, hyped up to be, but he's sure hell better than Tulsa's backup quarterback. And I look at Kentucky and what they've been able to do offensively. They are a top 25 passing offense through four weeks. And yes, former Hokie Tavion Robinson has been playing very, very well with them. Um, and I, Ole Miss's defense, 108 in EPA per pass. Um, no, excuse me, that's their offense. Yep, 108 EPA per pass offense for Ole Miss. Irby, this was supposed to be Jackson Dart's year. He was supposed to be amazing. Lane Kiffin's offense. The Grove was supposed to be rocking, and we haven't seen it so far this year. And I think this is a pretty uh, – the value might be on money line here for Kentucky. That's yeah. just me. Uh, they're the most – Ole Miss is like the most – not disappointing is the word – underwhelming 4-0 SEC team I've ever seen. Yep, pretty much. And before we go over to Chris, I do apologize for like flipping the screen everywhere. We are very new to this. So Sam please was trying bear to take with over us. the podcast. Jeez. I was the... trying. It looks like it should You're have been host, speaker man. mode. It should have been speaker mode. And I clicked it and it was my face. And I didn't want that. <laughs> Look, just Chris, give us the pick. Who's going to win? Yeah, you, 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 you're lost with the new toy there. And uh, live here from, from lovely Bridgeforth Stadium uh, here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So I, I had to give a shout out to my uh, my captain's pick of the week from last week. So quick, quick, quick shout out, JMU. Thank you for uh, proving me right. Um, you guys basically laid a very good argument as to why, remember I said last week, I thought the same way, the Costanza method. I'm in full force this week, and that's why I pivoted and taking Ole Miss minus six and a half, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, the narrative is basically, as you said, they have a week four no. Um, I think there was actually even some um, banter back and forth on social media this week that there are some other soft four no's, but why is Ole Miss, given the SEC bias, that plus them up pretty high in the uh, AP top 25 because they haven't played anybody. And so it's one of those things where, you know, obviously the perception of prior performance influences uh, kind of their current standing um, and their cupcake schedule to date hasn't really helped. But uh, uh, that's why I like to use uh, metrics that are more inclined to be opponent-adjusted and then the dominance in those opponent-adjusted metrics. I'm a big fan of SRS, Simple Rating System, for those who have not done it. Um, it's essentially a way to kind of itemize out overall, I guess, uh, strength of your team. Then they split it down offensively, defensively, and then obviously all the way down the line um, for different like pass rush type breakdowns for both offense and defense accordingly. So uh, the biggest weakness, you know, this is going to be a matchup type game. Um, and the biggest weakness on defense for Kentucky is its rushing defense. And the biggest strength for Ole Miss is its rushing offense. Um, and that's a pretty significant gap between the two. I think uh, rushing defense-wise, Kentucky is 49th overall. And Ole Miss at 7.04 adjusted yards per rush is eighth. 
And I feel like that's what's going to be the difference in this game. Close game, probably one that goes into the fourth quarter, but Ole Miss kind of leans on them. Listen, the the SEC home field advantage matters in night games and maybe if you have the 330 game. But on a noon kickoff, I, I just don't feel like that really exists anywhere really in the SEC. It takes a while for those crowds to get going in the uh, the Southeast Conference there. Um, so I'm not necessarily uh, afraid of Ole Miss not having a home environment. I mean, how many times have you heard Nick Saban yelling at his own student section uh, for Alabama? Not necessarily comparing Alabama to uh, Ole Miss here, but, um, you know, I, I think that's a bit overrated is what I'm trying to say. If you are not the LSU Tigers or the 12th man in Texas A&M, I don't think that home field advantage really truly exists at scale anywhere. Sam, you look like you want to interject. Uh, I would. I was just gonna say, last week against Tulsa, there was maybe a hundred people in the student section. So this is like not an SEC home field advantage. Remember that when you're betting on some of these games, just because it's a big football school does not mean it's a big football environment. Um, seems like they're a little bit more interested in the tailgate than they are the actual football game. Also, just checked on DraftKings Sportsbook the current money line as of. September 28th at 8.26 p.m. is plus 2.10 for the Kentucky Wildcats. Robert, are you on the Wildcats as well? You know, you did mention how much I love uh, Jackson Dart, and I am a big Jackson Dart guy. Uh, I've been, I've honestly, since Lane Kiffin has gotten to Ole Miss, I've tended to lean pretty heavily on them and pick them pretty often. But I was really concerned, especially by the second half against Tulsa last week. Um, the final score of that game was 35-27, and Ole Miss had 35 points at halftime. So that means they scored zero points in the second half. That like against Tulsa, like that's this is Lane Kiffin good. we're talking about. Yeah, this is like one of the greatest offensive minds in college football, and his offense can't even muster a point in the second half against a bottom half AAC team like come on and it's not like they had a bunch of turnovers they had one fumble but then every other drive ended in a punt like they just simply could not move the ball and I mean I think the the idea that Kentucky is this you know stalwart as well is is not necessarily true because they were you know northern Illinois had them on the ropes last week as well so they're definitely probably one of the worst seventh ranked teams and I've seen in a while, but the key to this game is that Kentucky is going to have the best player on the field. And the best player on the field is the guy Sam mentioned earlier. It's Tavion Robinson. Um, he is a stud. He is averaging 17 and a half yards per catch. He's third in the sec in receiving yards right now. He is an all around stud. Um, you know, and it's it's really hard to see as a Virginia Tech fan, but Tavion is a matchup problem for every defense. And yeah, and as as we've mentioned ad nauseum, Kiffin had the comments about poor fan turnout, etc. But it's it's interesting. It's like not only do they not have a home field advantage, so not only is playing at home not a positive for them, the way Kiffin was speaking, it was almost as if it was a negative. Like he was talking about how they had to kind of coach the players through the fact that there weren't enough fans there. Like it's negatively affecting them when they run out of the tunnel and they see no fans there like that, that kind of deflates their 
their motivation what, a little bit. Tyler Van Dyke, Miami quarterback, was saying uh, right before right. they lost to Middle Tennessee State at home where no one was in the stands. He's saying you'd rather play road games. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say is it's like it's almost a negative to play at home at this point. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the six and a half points. I'd probably spring some, sprinkle something on that money line. But the covering six and a half here for Kentucky is absolutely my lock of the week. I don't, I don't have a cha-ching thing, but there you go. Brett, you're back to us. You disappeared for a bit. That is weird. It's when I go on mute, I, I disappear. Just don't go on mute then. Well, I think you're leaning back in your chair, and then your chair disappears. Oh, that was weird. Well, I'm battling a little bit of a head cold, so I don't think you want to hear me sniffle for 45 the people, minutes. The people want real. That's what the people want. Well, Kentucky, Ole Miss will be a big game in the SEC, I think, for both of those teams' top 15 matchup. But I think an even bigger game is going to be happening in Waco, Texas. Oklahoma State plus 2.5 at Baylor. This game could go a really long way in determining who plays in the Big 12 title game. So, Brett, we're going to kick it off with you before uh, before the head rush hits you again. So, OK yeah. State and Baylor. Um, as I've stated before, I have – I think Oklahoma State, I was a little bullish on them in the beginning of the year. I think they're not quite as good as I thought they were going to be. But granted, I still think they're pretty good. Spencer Saunders, I mean – He's pretty incredible to watch when he's on, but he's also, when he's not on, he's pretty hard to watch. But um, Baylor last week, you know, that was a pretty big win against Iowa State. Iowa State, another team that I was wrong about. I thought they might would win four games, five games, but they uh, they look a lot better than I anticipated as well. Oh, it's almost like losing Brock, Brock Purdy was like addition by subtraction in a way. They don't have a guy back there just launching the ball. But um I think I'm just a bunch of underdogs. I still like Oklahoma State here, even at Baylor. I just think that they're um, – I think the best player on the field is Spencer Saunders, and I think he's the one that's going to be the one that makes the difference in this game. I think also Oklahoma State coming off a bye week is uh, pretty important, So especially coming to going to at Baylor. But Baylor just came off a slobber-knocking game against Iowa State. So I think I think because of the bye week, and I think that they have the better, the best player on the field, um, I think Oklahoma State even more. As dogs, I think I like them at Baylor. Yeah, I'm with you on Oklahoma State on this one. Uh, Spencer Sanders is pretty darn good. He was a big question mark for this team coming into this season. Like, would he progress? Would he end up getting better here in his senior year? But he has been number nine in expected points added per pass, 65% completion percentage, almost 1,000 yards, 10 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. They haven't played a very tough schedule. They've had a few cupcakes in there, and the one non-cupcake they played was Arizona State, who is a dumpster fire of a program. But they've played very well. And also keep in mind, this is a revenge game for Oklahoma State. They were a yard away from going to the college football playoff last season and didn't get it. I think there is a bit more added motivation for this Oklahoma State team. Another thing I want to bring into is like Baylor offensively, I have some question marks for them. They've played Oh, Iowa State, decently good defense. Well, coach defense, but not a lot of talent. They traveled to Provo earlier this year to play a really good BYU team, but it's a BYU team who has one glaring weakness, and that is they cannot stop the run versus anybody except for Baylor. Baylor ran the ball 52 times and averaged 2.9 yards per attempt. They ran it 52 times, and they still could not establish a running game 
that shows me that they're a little bit stubborn on offense to keep running the ball. And it shows me that they can't push around a defensive line that's kind of remotely talented. Oklahoma State's going to be probably the best defense that they play all year. I like Oklahoma State in this game to control the line of scrimmage. And uh, yeah, give me give me the pokes in this one, plus two and a half in a revenge game. Yeah, Baylor's also given up eight sacks this year already. So talking about a, a defensive line that's pretty stout and with Oklahoma State, the defense is pretty strong. That's That might not bode well. Yep, not a I, good sign. I couldn't disagree more, which makes me feel even better about my pick here. So I should I, make you feel really good. We're first, terrible gamblers. <laughs> at first, I saw this game as a, a, just number one. It's a coin flip type game. These are two fairly, I would can say, consistently solid performing Big 12 teams. Um, and so when they meet, you know, obviously it's going to be somewhat of a close break, which is indicative. But I, I was kind of... Uh, I thought Baylor would have been favored by a little bit more. So getting them at less than a field goal, because I do think they, they are the overall better team. Um, just getting a little bit of value and having them as a home slightly uh, under three, a field goal type spread to me, it just provides a little bit of value there. Um, if I do believe that they're going to win the game, which I think they do. Um, and PFF and composite uh, type ratings have them as the higher rated team across the board as well. So I, I feel like I'm not only getting the slightly devalued home team, but I'm getting the slightly devalued home team that's actually the overall better uh, measure team as well. And uh, um, they're scheduled to date having to play at BYU and at Iowa State. I believe that they went one and one in that and Oklahoma State hasn't really. So they're coming off of an untested schedule and a bye week, and they really don't have a measuring stick type game. This is that game for them. Um, and I'm surprised you guys touted the the strengths of the, I assume, the Oklahoma State defense when I, I think that's their biggest weakness coming into it. Opponent adjusted defensive SRS to rank 99th. Um, they, and that they is had a bad me, game. That to me is very indicative of the biggest loss in this game coming into it, which is they don't have Jim Knowles anymore. He's the defensive coordinator for Ohio State. Um, and that's a big weakness coming on the board because Mike Gundy's never really been known for defense until he had him. And now he's gone. And I feel like this is going to be that type of game where they get a little bit exposed. Um, you know, Baylor, not necessarily great on offense. I think until now, you talked about that anemic run capability, but once again, BYU is not great, but they were playing at home at night, and that's a tough environment to try to do anything. Um, and I, I think that's going to be a little bit different uh, for Baylor playing at home against what I would consider to be a, a deflated defensive capability. So uh, the last point is I just think that Dave Aranda is a good coach. Um, he's going to have his team ready to play uh, with a pretty narrow spread here factor everything together I, I feel like getting Baylor minus two and a half I'm I'm, I'm not going to say lock here but I'm pretty confident in this game that you're the better team and should be able to pull this one off at home yeah I'm with Chris on this one um, I'm on Baylor this was probably the toughest well one of the tougher ones for me to get a read on um, I think the main reason for that is Oklahoma State just hadn't played anybody um, I mean right now you're looking at their schedule thus far has been Central Michigan, who's one and three, only win is against an FCS team, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and uh, Arizona State, who is one of the worst teams in the Power Five. So I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, they've looked really good, but also have they played anybody? I don't know. I mean, 
Sanders looks good. 10 touchdowns, one pick. Um, but again, I just don't know how to read it. Uh, whereas Baylor has played a pretty tough schedule thus far, you know, with that BYU game on the road and then also um, playing Iowa State on the road. Not that Iowa State is that strong, but that's, you know, a road conference game. That's tougher than anything Oklahoma State has done. Um, I haven't loved what I've seen from Baylor in those games, but I've liked it enough. Liked it enough? I've liked it enough. And here's a stat for you. Dave Aranda, he is 7-2 and two straight up at home against Big 12 opponents so far in his career. That's pretty strong. Um, so I like Baylor to win. Um, I definitely think there's a world in which Sam and Brett are right, but I just can't confidently agree with that just with Oklahoma state being this unknown commodity with the coaching changes and everything else. Um, so with the two and a half spread being so small there, I'm a, I think the smarter play here is just to take Baylor um, just to win. And, you know, as I've said before, it's hard to win a game by one or two points. So do you think the winner of this game ends up playing for the big 12 title? Uh, and losing 12, to Kansas state. Absolutely. <laughs> because the big 12 might be the most, top heavy crowded conference this season. Actually, I think it is. I don't, I don't think it's close. It's a chaos. Very chaotic. It's going to be very chaotic, but I, but there's a lot of frisky teams like Iowa state. So they can be a frisky team. Obviously Kansas state, even though they uh, played like crap, the first two games showed last week that they can beat anybody. So, you know, it's, I think big 12, almost except for, you know, like a few teams that we know they're, I think top end, yes, it's like anything can happen. But I think there's a few of those middle of the pack frisky teams that really could screw some screw some things up. Yep, and don't forget the four and zero Kansas Jayhawks, who, um, along with that Kansas Duke game, uh, backdoor cover for Duke, and then the Tennessee Florida game, backdoor cover for Florida, and then the Wake that Forest was- Clemson game, backdoor cover for Wake Forest. Uh, well, was- not really a backdoor cover; they stopped the two point, but. That's three just really brutal, brutal losses for Kansas the podcast. The worst. Kansas and Washington State were the worst. I've had Kansas and Oregon. Um, yeah, Kansas and Oregon. Those are the worst two beats I've ever had, I think, in my life. Pretty, 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 pretty rough. Well, let's talk about our sponsors there in the bottom right corner, and that is the DraftKings Sportsbook. And, guys, I'm going to go a little off script here. I know there are a lot of options now in the state of Virginia, which is a good thing. We love it. We love good business competition. But I'll tell you, NFL season is in full swing, and there's no sports book that's giving you as many options and as many ways to bet as DraftKings. They're just not. I work in the industry, and I'm telling you, there is not a sports book that has as many offerings right now as the DraftKings sports book. Touchdowns, big plays, even bigger wins. If right now on DraftKings, if you bet just $5 on any NFL team to win, you get $200 in free bets if they win. You can turn $5 into $200. Other, other sports books, $150, $100. DraftKings bumping it all the way up to $200. And if that's not enough, you can be step it up another time with same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add to your parlays, you can boost your payout by 100%. And to make things sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game, all season long. Irby, how do they do it? They download the DraftKings 
Facebook now and use promo code SOS to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code SOS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting parts of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yes, please see those show notes for details. Um, this, uh, as a gambling podcast, we should point out that September is uh, gambling addiction awareness month. So make sure that you're betting within your means and responsibly. All right, fellas, third game on the docket, the CBS 330 game. It's a big one in Fayetteville. In my opinion, this was the toughest. This this is a tough, tough game. A tough, tough game, Brett. You're going to go before me. I need you to convince me one way or another. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, last year, I believe the spread was like 21 and a half or something like that. And it was tough to pick. And obviously, we saw what happened. I mean, Alabama, I think they went up early three touchdowns and kind of just kept it right there the whole time. But um, and I'm kind of going on the same trend here. I think I'm stick. I think even at Arkansas, I think I'm sticking with Alabama. Um, Arkansas, obviously, last week, that brutal, brutal loss, Texas A&M. A lot of betters on that one. That was, a, that was really bad. I think they were one and a half on DraftKings, and they lost by two. So that, was, that one was rough. Um, but I still think I like Alabama here. I mean, Arkansas, yeah, they have some, they have good wins. I mean, Cincinnati down Cincinnati to be by seven. Um, Missouri, uh, Missouri State, I mean, that's not a good win, but that was almost, that almost killed Arkansas's program. I'm convinced if Bob Petrino went in there, scores birth and beat Arkansas, the program would have been dead, like toast. That's it. It's over. So, just rides tough. away on a Harley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, I think it would have it would have been over. So, and then South Carolina, pretty convincing win I'd say overall. But I think South Carolina actually is not very good at all, mm-hmm. like at all. People thought they might would be a frisky team in the SEC this year, winning seven eight games. I think they might win like five, but uh, if that. I mean, Charlotte was giving them hell for half half the game last week. Yeah, they're re- Charlotte's, Charlotte's really, awful. They're really bad. Yeah, and all those Virginia Tech fans that wanted club lit, I, I really hope they reconsider what kind of brain they have. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think I'm on Alabama here. I think Alabama, I mean, just, but the Texas game, Texas better than expected in my book. And I think that environment, Alabama, then – Everything to lose, nothing to gain. They're expected to win that. So I feel like they just, and they played pretty bad all game and they still pulled out a win. So, I mean, obviously they have just dominated everybody else. I think those three other games, they've won by 50 points or more, I believe. They haven't played anybody. It's typical Alabama early season schedule, but they have one big game and three trash games. So I don't know, I'm kind of rambling on here, but I'm on Alabama. You, you don't make money betting against Nick Saban. Um, you just don't – I mean, in the wall, you might lose one here or there like you did, like Texas, you know. You're going to lose one here or there, but it's not going to happen often. So even at Arkansas, I think I'm on Alabama to win by three scores. Well, Brett, that's what everyone says. You don't make money betting against Bama. But you, you're you really close to breaking even. Alabama is 11-8 and eight against the spread since the start of 2021. 
11 and 8. They are 1 and 4 against the spread in their last five true road games. I'd like to see the spread on games for the games where they're projected to win by like 60 against the spread versus the teams I, that that they're playing like when they're projected to win by like two touchdowns against South Carolina and they beat them by like 40. I no, I agree with you there. I'm just yeah, saying that it's yeah. it's not as easy money as I, I think the saying goes, right? No, like, I, I I can see it's that. not. It's in the big games. I think is when they show up most of the time. Yeah, big games. They they definitely show up, and this is a big game. Like this is a if Alabama wants to win a national title, they probably need to win this game. Like I, if they don't win this game. They need to be perfect throughout the rest of the season. They're capable of that, but the roster isn't as good as, or as dominant, I should say, as it has been in previous years. I think I am going to go with Bama, and here's why. The Arkansas defense has not been great. Number 81 in EPA per pass and number 97 in EPA per rush. Arkansas is giving up a first down on 71% of first and second downs. Flip it over to the other side of the ball. The Alabama offense is gaining a first down on 80% of their first and second down attempts. Where the Alabama offense has struggled and where they struggled in that Texas game was on third down. Right now, Alabama 36% on third and fourth down. That Texas game, they were 5 of 15. Texas was able to get their offense off the field and at least control the clock for a bit of that game. So I think that's why this game was so close. Alabama, the key to their offense is just moving quick, staying out of third down scenarios where they can be a bit more predictable. Arkansas, not a defense that puts teams in third down situations enough so far this year. So that's why I think Alabama wins this game. And I think they're going to cover the spread doing it. We got caught last week on backdoor covers. I think we're going to win one with a backdoor cover here. I think it might be a really weird scoring game. Like I could see Alabama winning this one by like 18 or 19 points, something, something a little weird like that. So, so roll tied minus 16 and a half. So weird, kind of something weird that's been going on. 70%, 74% of the money is going on Arkansas right now, but the spread opened at minus 17. It's only moved half point. So that tells you that Vegas is like, yeah, we're not budging on this line. It, we're still buying into Alabama. Yeah. Yeah, Chris, are you are we sticking with the tide? <laughs> we are. Um, and I fully agree, and I'll lay out my case here. But yes, when in doubt, do not bet against Nick Saban, uh, even in these kind of larger spreads that we're seeing. And, and Sam, you kind of uh, uh, at least highlighted one of my points here, which is the type of win it's going to probably end up being. Uh, but I'll go ahead and start at the very top here. So number one, to me, the glaring difference was just Bama is a composite-rated opponent adjusted better team they're fourth in the country arkansas is 52nd overall and it is their defense that creates that big disparity uh defensive srs rating opponent adjusted obviously they're second arkansas 108 they are not very good on defense um pff even when you look at kind of all of the split out of metrics of how they rate on defense alabama very good at 92.1 arkansas 69.4 and their weakest elements on defense is tackling and coverage. Well, that's going to be an issue because Alabama has insane athletes and they have Bryce Young. So I do think this is going to be a little bit of a field day for the Alabama offense, specifically through the air. Um, and on the other side of it, 
these heliocentric type style offenses that Alabama gets to play with KJ Jefferson, who is good, but not necessarily a world beater type talent. Um, you know, that's going to, those types of offenses are custom made for a really athletic Alabama defense to swarm and just shut them down. Um, and I mentioned the composite rating. So I don't know if anybody else has followed them. I found them, you know, my followership of Bill Connolly ESPN through his S&P plus, but it's an account uh, that the, the guy's name is Nick Manzo. I don't know if everyone's ever heard of him. He creates a composite of all of the composites. And I love that. I love to aggregate. And uh, this one is of SP plus FPI, the, uh, the beta ranking that we all love uh, near and dear to our hearts here. Uh, FEI K4. There's some things I'm probably even going to make up here. Uh, maybe just put some acronyms out there. Uh, but it's one, two, three, four, five, six different rating systems um, that he composites and aggregates score for um, and then ranks them accordingly. So think of it like a composite of all the other composites. Uh, it has Bama number one. Arkansas is not even ranked. Um, so it, it, it is telling uh, just in terms of the power and performance against opponents for these two teams and the disparity. Granted, the narrative is that Arkansas is this really good SEC team. I'm just not seeing it against Alabama. Um, it, it's hard to say I'm getting value and laying 16 points, but, and, and you kind of laid out the point, uh, historically Bama's trends under Saban uh, against ranked opponents, 49 and 36, that's 57.6. There's value there in taking that uh, conference games, 67 and 50 in the SEC, that's 57.3%. And as an away favorite, 30 and 24, that's 55.6%. Uh, but each of these trends had an average margin of victory. And, and Sam, you, you kind of alluded to it, 18 points. So that's the average margin of victory with a three and a half point performance above the spread there uh, on average there. So that means that you're getting value on this line up until about a minus 20 on Alabama's spread. So I'm getting three basically bonus points in this. And I look at the actual disparity of where I feel like this game's going to be decided. It's going to be... Alabama's playmakers getting out in space, Arkansas not making tackles, a lot of big explosive plays. And then on the other side, Arkansas not necessarily being able to play or, or excuse me, not able to keep up and then having to maybe try to score what you could consider uh, a backdoor type cover. I just don't see that happening. Um, I, I, I feel like this one's going to be put uh, out of hand. Granted, they're going to probably pan over to John Daly and his hogs hat on the, on the, uh, somewhere in the, um, press booth area and they're going to suck me back in because it's, it's hard to root against Arkansas. I, I really like them as a team. Nice fans, but God, their chain is annoying. Holy crap. Really the annoying. The dog bowl of 2016. Oh my God. That was brutal. That was yeah. Tough. It was pretty First, quiet in the second half though. I was this close to leading that game early. I mean, this, this close. Yes. I had a friend get food poisoning and I stayed. It was great. Anyway, um, I am contemplating whether I should be like you guys and just continue to blindly put faith in Nick Saban to cover every spread and just place my money on Nick Saban. And honestly, I'm going to feel pretty stupid if I get this pick wrong, regardless of the outcome. But I'm not going to do it. I'm taking Arkansas. Here's why. I'm Arkansas's last week lost last week, pardon me, was a pretty huge fluke in my mind. Um, not only like the bizarre field goal miss at the end of the game, but like they dominated in almost every stat. You know, they had more yards, had that weird like fumble on the one yard line where 
KJ Jefferson decided he was Superman and, you know, AM takes it all the way back. Like, I don't know. I think Arkansas is legit. I don't think they're legit enough to win this game by any means, but I think 16 and a half points at home is a little disrespectful. And it is so hard for me to bet against Nick Saban and Bryce Young because those two are absolute cash, but there are some real concerns with their offense. Uh, Bill O'Brien, you know, you guys know my feelings on Bill O'Brien, but he's clearly not savvy enough as a play caller to utilize this weaker skill position group that they do have. You know, they don't have, I mean, Alabama went on this insane run where, uh, what did they have? Five first round wide receivers in the last three drafts plus a second rounder and John Mechie. Like that's insane. And they don't have those guys right now. And O'Brien is not savvy enough to figure out how to use this lesser group. Um, I think Bryce Young will do what he does, which is just do enough to win. And he's just a winning player. And I love Bryce Young. He's my favorite quarterback in the, in college right now. And he will make those plays when it counts, but Bama wins by a much closer margin than 16 and a half. Like I could see them winning by like 10 or maybe 14. We will end our Alabama, Arkansas talk with a quote from Alabama's all world, all American, what I think should be Heisman finalist defensive end, Will Anderson Jr., who, when they asked him about his motivation, he said, I tell people all the time that the audacity for the other team to even step on the field is disrespectful to me. And Will, I, Will Anderson, dog. Yeah, he's got that dog in him. Um, as long as terrified. he has the audacity to line up onside. Yeah, he's got a little bit of Miles Garrett in him, doesn't he? A little bit of Miles Garrett in his game, a little too quick off the ball, but He's he's an an absolutely incredible player. Um, in he's in the of, context of the whole answer and the question, that was a phenomenal phenomenal answer. Um, he's one of those guys. He didn't I go out like, of his way to say that. By the way, he's one of those guys. I feel like he wouldn't care if you like hit somebody so hard legally that he like knocked them out. He'd be like, well, sorry. He or, like, or you know like ended their career or something. He'd be like, well, sorry, hit you. I, I think in a world of football right now where we're so obsessed with offense, like we need to take a step back and realize how special of a player that, that he really is. Like these type of defense events don't happen a lot in college football. So really awesome player. I love him still as my Heisman pick. I think he's going to have a big October and November. Well, fellas, let's take it from the SEC a little bit up north into the great state of uh, South Carolina, where this one will be. North Carolina State plus six and a half at Clemson, a game that could decide the ACC Atlantic, a game that we've been looking forward to for quite some time. Brett, the Wolfpack and the Tigers. I mean, so stupid last week. How many of us said that Clemson was the lock of the league last week? I think it was, I don't know. There was a few of us, I think. I I wasn't on the podcast, but I probably would have said it too. Yeah, no, I think we did say it was your lock of the week without your presence. I'm pretty sure we did. We did. But um, you get, yeah, you guys know me. Yeah. So, well, we know your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> NC State, um, their defense has impressed me overall. Uh, they gave me against Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech is obviously a very competent team offensively, uh, just because of what happened last week and the previous games they've against Houston and other teams that they looked good. And NC State made them look like they had never seen a football field before. So I was I kind of bought into the NC State defense a little bit and against the Clemson offense. 
it's going to be like immovable force versus um what is it unstoppable force versus immovable object or whatever i just think that it's just between the nc state sorry got screwed up <laughs> the clemson defense versus the nc state offense and the clemson and the nc state defense versus the clemson offense it's just going to be a slugfest the whole game and I think just because it's at home, I think I'm taking Clemson. I'm not taking Clemson on any more walks of the weeks for the rest of the year. Just not doing it. I don't think they're at, I don't think they're as good as or as back as I thought they were after playing Wake Forest last week. Um, but I think Clemson does win by a touchdown in this game uh, or ten touchdown or so. Um, not pretty. It's not going to be pretty, but I think they can win a game where it's like 21 to like 10 or like some for 28 to. 21 or something like that. So it's not going to be pretty, but I think they can at least win by a touchdown, especially at home. Yeah, I think being at home is going to be huge for Clemson because unlike Ole Miss, uh, they do have a home field advantage. One thing with Clemson last week, if we look at that Wake Forest game, they were missing a lot of pieces on defense um, and they were missing a lot of pieces that we didn't really know how severe some of the injuries were. Dabo's pretty close chest with those injuries and he is this week. Uh, Clemson defense right now, seven expected points pass. Definitely not where we thought they would be. But again, they've had injuries uh, today in the press conference. Dabo said, quote, we are in a better spot. Still some game day decisions. So maybe a little bit better against NC State. Um, I don't think NC State necessarily as good as Devin Leary is. I don't think they're as dangerous vertically passing as Wake Forest is still. um that's definitely some concern. Um, let's play a game real quick. Let's play guess that quarterback. Um, one of the quarterbacks in this game is uh, 36th in expected points added per pass, and the other quarterback is 50th. Who do you think that is? Who do you think's 36th? Kate Klubnik. It is not Kate Klubnik. No, no he, he, he doesn't have enough snaps yet. It's got to be DJ over Leary. Yeah, it's DJ. Yeah, it's DJ. Yeah, I think, DJ. Yeah, um, I think the thing is, DJ, he's not – I think he's just – he he's kind of like got the Tyrod Taylor aspect and like Tyrod in the NFL. He doesn't do enough. He does like just enough to like make it like, oh, he might actually be really good, but he just doesn't do enough. Like he doesn't take risks. He doesn't – I don't know. He's just, I think he, like the efficiency part, I think his efficiency is good. It just doesn't have a lot to it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, and he's really streaky. Like, yes. well, you talk about risks. And by the end of that Wake Forest game, he was making some risky throws, but it took him a long time to get there and That's get true. comfortable to, to, like that touchdown he threw the last one to the tight end. Like, he threw that where only the tight end could get it. You know what I mean? But it takes him a long time to get there. And if he's out of rhythm, then, it looks a lot like what you're saying. Yeah, and let's let's take another one. One of the quarterbacks in this game has a QBR of 74.7. The other one has a quarterback rating of 48.5, which is the same quarterback rating as Grant Wells for Virginia Tech. Which one has 74.7? That would be DJ Uyungagale. Yeah, Devin Leary has a bad QBR right now. Yeah, I'm not bought into the whole... NC State off oh, like Devin Weir thing. People, I I don't. I'm just not in. Well, I got one more for you. Um, EPA per rush, Clemson number 29, NC State number 64. NC State has played Texas Tech, UConn, Charleston Southern, and 
who they start East the season Carolina. with East Carolina. Um, we 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 are an NC State podcast. I mean, first and foremost, basically, we're an NC State podcast. Uh, well, we were last year. They they wanted some money. Yeah, then they started running their mouths. Now we're not. And then anymore. they started running their mouths a little bit. And they started <laughs> talking about ACC champion. Um, I'm struggling to find. I'm struggling to find a matchup somewhere in this game where NC State's a better team than Clemson, and they're playing at Clemson. And it's probably go- we haven't talked about uh, the hurricane yet, but it is probably going to be raining really, really bad. <laughs> and uh, I think I like Clemson's physicality in the in the slop. So uh, I'm going to go with Clemson. Yeah, I am being whispered back from here. Uh, I am in an <laughs> NC State household right now, and I am being told that uh, NC State is two and zero when there's a hurricane. That sounds uh, that sounds amazing, and I'm I'm going to lay out the reason for why that's not going to be in this game. So, number one, uh, I, we have to kind of just talk about the elephant in the room, and we always talk about how Clemson has that like one game a year where it's an inexplicable loss, and you know it's usually you know surrounded by just running the the table. We haven't had the NC State game yet. That is looming out there. It's it's going to happen. Um, why not on a 7:30 nationally televised game in Death Valley and Clemson when it's going? You talk about having an epic home field advantage. That is Clemson at night and Death Valley. Um, so that's a big one, especially um, given the kind of quote unquote top ten matchup of this game, the gravity of the situation. This is the perfect moment for NC State to drop a complete zero because it's what they do. They have one epic one per year. And I feel like that's what we're due for. I'm, I'm predicting that at least to start though. But um, NC State's biggest weaknesses are tackling. Um, you go through all the metrics are not very good. They have a strong kind of quote unquote front seven, but um, you know, th- th- that's going to be an issue when, you know, you get uh, the, the wide receivers for Clemson, not as great as they have been previously at the skill position, but I do feel like Shipley DJ and getting some of their skill positions in space does present an issue for NC State, especially in their secondary. Um, it, it was a, I mean, you mentioned the gravity of a revenge game. I think it was for OK State versus Baylor. I feel like this is another one because Clemson did lose this game last year in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a little bit of that. They got that first kind of, you know, Clemson is on the downswing type narrative because of this game last year. Um, we have already mentioned the fact that Leary is regressed. Uh, from his, I, I don't know if there's a glide path for him to get to where he was last year from where he's already started off the season. It's pretty significant uh, improvement he's going to have to show over the next course of the next few months of the season because um, it, it's it's not where even remotely close to where he was on par with last year. And then the other part here is just the, uh, the uh, Dave Doran expectations on the road uh type performance here so nc state 9 and 14 that's 39 percent under dave doran as an away underdog um average margin of victory in those games is negative 13 points so roughly about a two touchdown margin of loss if you can think of it that way and then 11 and 12 a little bit closer towards a coin flip against ranked opponents but the average margin of victory in those games is also negative 14 points so you know all of it being set on a pretty big stage I feel like Clemson, you could talk about some of the injuries, and I do think that explained the kind of quote-unquote shootout last week. But um, anytime the Dabo is being vague, he's probably shying more towards getting those guys back from the same kind of message I was reading. And so I do think they're going to have a little bit more of their defensive acumen back there. 
Um, and I, I think that does not bode well for what I would consider to be a less dynamic, less explosive NC State team. I feel like that matchup heavily favors Clemson and what I would consider to be the much better defense um, and probably one of the better ones that uh, NC State's faced all season. So give me the Tigers, especially at home in this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm on them too. Uh, don't feel great about it now that you guys have all said it, but, you know, Clemson's... I wouldn't either. I mean, Clemson's primary vulnerabilities last week almost exclusively came like from their DBs and being able to stop the pass. But luckily for Clemson, like we talk about the hurricane, like you look at the path of Hurricane Ian right now, like it is going straight through Clemson, South Carolina. Like I, that's important to note here. Um, it should, the brunt of it should be gone by the time the game starts, but it's still going to rain all day. And that field is going to be wet. And then it's going to probably still be raining when a game starts at 730, which means that neither team is going to be able to throw the ball as effectively because you can't throw a wet football. So that works out well for Clemson. I think that their focus right now for this game, especially should be to put the game in the hands of their best players. And right now we see that defensively that's their front seven because Probably all seven of those guys will be in the NFL. And offensively, it's Will Shipley. Um, Will Shipley is averaging 6.8 yards per carry right now. He is just a phenomenal playmaker. Um, the way that Wake Forest was able to keep things interesting and really, you know, I more than keep things interesting, like basically almost won the game, um, was it was very gimmicky and they were able to kind of you know, stretch Clemson out a little bit and and overcome the athletic disadvantages with schematic advantages, I suppose. Um, if Clemson's going to win this game, they need to prevent that from happening um, and just kind of allow their superior strength and athleticism to take over. Um, and with there being a hurricane and the other circumstances of this game, like it plays right into their ability to do that. Um, I think NC State is good but not great at stopping the run um they are currently graded out as 54th uh run defense by pro football focus and they have themselves run the ball better um with what's the is it sumo karangbe is that the the running back's name that they have your uh, pronunciation is as good of a guess as mine okay yeah, i just that love guy. that the first the first half of his last name is sumo like that's just what a beast. pretty good name pretty good name um he is a, a more physical runner. He's a big dude. Um, and that is utilized really well when you're playing weaker defensive fronts. When, you know, this running back is bigger than the linebackers. Uh, but that's not the case. He's going to have his work cut out for him. Um, trying to run through other beasts in Brisset and Miles Murphy and like Tyler Davis. Like those dudes are enormous and strong and fast. Like you can't try to outmuscle those guys if you're a running back. Um, add on the fact that State has not won in Death Valley since 2002, and Clemson has not lost a home game since 2016. I see Clemson pulling away late in an ugly game. I see maybe it's you know maybe it's like a a seven three or a, a ten seven game going into like the early fourth quarter, and Will Shipley just breaks one. 
um, and and Clemson takes it by a touchdown, maybe more. Something else to keep in mind for this game, um, we talked about it a little bit last week. If you're looking at a team and saying, hey, I think they're a really good team, but they're probably a 9-10 win team, right? That's what a lot of people are thinking with NC State. NC State over under for their win total, 8.5 this year. They got to lose somewhere, right? Like, unless they're going to go 12-0, they're going to lose somewhere. This is probably that place. Uh, they should have okay. lost, lost game one. If that game went to overtime, they were not winning that. Yeah, they, they very well could have. Um, still think they're a very good team. They very well could win the ACC Atlantic. All right, let's get into let's, – let's talk about the Hokies. UNC Hurricane game, part two. Um, really, really tough week last week. Hokies were in the game for about two and a half quarters, kind of by mistake, but they were in the game. And then the penalty thing happened again. And again and again and again. And West Virginia just took advantage of it. And it kind of kind of spiraled. But you know, here we are. Uh the Hokies are eight point dog, eight and a half point dogs at UNC, a UNC team that offensively, elite, defensively, um, maybe the worst team in FBS. They are very, very bad on defense. Brett, do the Hokies have a chance in this one? I think they, I think they do. I mean, it's been hard to watch, but when I look at the two losses that we've had, I, I hate to be like the spin zone. I hate doing the spin zone thing because there, there's nothing pretty about them. But if two plays, if one play each of those games didn't happen, I think Virginia Tech wins. The ODU game, the snap doesn't go over the kicker's head and they return for touchdown. If that doesn't happen, I think Virginia Tech wins that game. And I think if Kelly Lawson picks up that that muff punt and on like the eight yard, the ten yard line. West Virginia, I think Virginia Tech wins that wins also wins that game. So I and obviously the penalty thing, you can't win with that many penalties consistently, if at all. But third I most think, penalized team in the country. Yeah, it's it's hard to win like that. I get that. But I think you take those two plays and they go opposite. I think Virginia Tech is a four no team, personally. I think that would have changed a lot. So with that being said, I mean, I'm just gonna Go with the Hokies here, Hurricane Game 2.0. I mean, the run game is obviously was sus- extremely suspect against West Virginia. It has kind of been overall. But if there's a team that should be able to run the ball against or do anything with a pulse, do if you have a pulse against North Carolina's defense, you should be able to score the football. So that's kind of where I'm going at. Um, I just think there's one thing for sure that Virginia Tech is doing now that I think the previous staff did not. Virginia Tech is a tough football team, I think, overall. Maybe not mentally they're not as tough, but they they are hitting much harder, swarming the ball. And they would have – I mean, yeah, personal fouls suck and, like, unnecessary offense penalties and that kind of stuff sucks. But I think these guys are hungry. I think they want to win. And I think if there's a team they can punch in the face, it's this one. And I'm pretty sure North Carolina is having some serious internal issues. Tony Grimes last week got in a fight with Wolf Player. He, they it was got, uh, Noah Taylor, the was, linebacker. Yeah. The they like, transfer, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And they were like pretty much throwing hands on the sideline. So I think there's some serious internal issues going on in North Carolina. Um, whereas at Virginia Tech, I don't think there's any internal issues going on. I think they're just an average football team, below average football team. So I think the hungrier team, I think, can at least cover the spread. I'm not going to say win. I think the, the hungrier team can cover the spread here at eight and a half. Um, 
Brett, I agree with guys. Wait, wait, hold on a second. Uh, Aaron Judge just hit his 61st home run. Are we going to cut into that? No, no we're not going to cut into that. Also, <laughs> congratulations on tying the record. Now he has to beat the record. Yeah, congratulations on tying the record. That isn't even the record. It's the AL record. Who cares? It's the dumbest thing that Call me when he gets to and 70. Yankees fans have ever concocted. Don't get me started. All right, back to something that matters, Robert. All right, something that matters. ACC Coastal Football matters. Um. I agree with what you said. I, I think Tech very well could be a 4-0 team. However, they aren't, and that's because they make losing plays. They make bad snaps. They don't recover fumbles. They have too many penalties. They miss wide-open receivers. They don't know blocking assignments. Those are all fixable things, but right now, it's, it's like Tech is playing a round of golf or like a weekend tournament of golf, right? If anybody golfs, you know, you can't fix your swing in the middle of the round. All right. If something's a little off on your swing, you're not going to fix it in between holes. It's you just got to live with it. If you try to fix it too much, you're just going to mess something up and you're going to overcorrect. Right now, Tech is having that problem. Showed up to the course, couple issues in their swing, wasn't looking good. If they try to overcorrect this thing, and I think if they try to think too much about the penalties or they think too much, I have to hit this open receiver, or if they think too much, about little special teams plays here and there. I think it'll only get worse. I think if you're Virginia Tech, your really only option is, what am I doing well? Let me stick with that. Right now, what they're doing well is, offensively, they cannot run the ball. They Nor should they try to run the ball. I think you need to, I understand it's going to rain against Carolina, might not be the best game for this, but I think you have to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game in order to have hopes of scoring points, right? Grant Wells has missed some open receivers this year. Yes, he needs to play better. But he also has shown the talent to be able to push the ball downfield in a way that was kind of promised to us when he was transferring from Marshall. So that's really all you got to do defensively. Keep swarming. Keep hitting guys. You know, it, bad roughing the passer on a fourth down, that really sucked. A hands to the face, that was, you know, again, that can be called on every single play. That sucks. But you got to keep playing aggressive. You can't think about it too much. Just go out there and play. I would like to see them kind of tailor the offense towards King a little bit more, tailor it towards Caleb Smith a little bit more than they are. I think they're almost trying to spread the wealth too much. Potentially, we'll have Malachi Thomas back for this week, although if it's going to rain a lot, I don't know if this is the game that you want him back. But I think they just got to try to get better, and they're not going to get better if they try to do the things that we all know suck, right? They can't run up the middle. Stop trying to run up the middle. Uh, num number zero probably doesn't need more than five handoffs in a game for the rest of the season, all right? Like, stop trying to run behind the center, all right? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Stop asking wide receivers to make incredible, you know, one-on-one -on -one catches downfield that you know cannot make those catches right now, all right? Play to your strengths. Try to get better. Unfortunately for the Hokies, I think Carolina's offense just is too much. Uh, Tech could play really well on defense and still give up 30 points like they did against West Virginia, a really good defense. So um, I'm going to go Carolina in this one to cover the spread. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they prove me wrong, but I got Carolina 31-21, something like that. Uh, it'll be competitive, but the Hokies, I think, just will be incapable right now of fixing their golf game in the middle of the round.
Sam with the uh, the the sage almost uh, Bagger Vance level of of golf caddy advice. I like it. Um, well, I, if I was a caddy, I'd just like, hey, you suck. Just drink a few more Coors <laughs> Lights and enjoy this round because it's not going to get better. That that's where I feel like this strategy is going to be in. Uh, and and in this matchup, Tech's going to be kind of like the Stone Cold Steve Austin has a chip on his shoulder, doing like the 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 two beer slams here. And going in kind of full full bore here. I'm holding my nose and I'm taking DT plus eight. Um, and to be honest, I feel like this is just the. Uh, if anyone's ever watched the, uh, I, I think you should leave show on Netflix. This is the sloppy steak. Let's slop them up bowl, uh, 2.0. <laughs> um, it, it's it's like it is in the Clemson game. This is just going to be an awful weather game, um, and it's going to be in that matchup. Two culturally opposing types of style of play in a bad weather game one of them and if you've listened to some of the uh the suns uh, already this week on the podcast it, it is it, it is a more culturally aligned hard-nosed type style of play versus a very culturally soft type style of play um and then bad weather if you're the softer team then your strength is against uh excuse me your strength is you know a passing game not only one you're not gonna be able to pass it very well but two that's just strength of the DTs. Uh, not even just the VT defense, just the VT team in and of itself, our coverage capability. So I feel like that definitely lessens the ability for UNC to put up points in this game. So their their potency kind of comes down a peg. Um, I mean, look at it last week. Even in a nice sunny weather game against Notre Dame, you know, the final score looked pretty almost at least a, a competitive from, I don't know if you can even call what was the final score it was like 45 to something like that. Um, but UNC had 32, they had 20 points with like two minutes left to go. So they scored 12 points in garbage time to even give the illusion that that game was somewhat competitive. Um, and this is going to be a much worse weather game, obviously. And I'm not saying that VT's defense is on par with Notre Dame's, but consider like a bootleg version of Notre Dame's defense, and they're going to be able to slow North Carolina down. So I like that matchup uh, very much. And you name, uh, emphasize your strength. That's your passing game right now. Guess what UNC has is the worst coverage game right now. I'm not saying they're going to be able to throw the ball. Who knows? Maybe the rain will knock the ball down and Grant Wells won't throw everybody over their head by about 10 to 15 yards. So maybe having a denser football helps uh, Grant Wells find his change up here this week. I have no idea, uh, but I just feel like this is going to be a very uh, um, messy football game and low scoring. The, the, the line being at 51 was where I kind of started to look at this one and saying, like, how is this final score going to pan out? And it seems weird to think that UNC can cover a game have it hit on the under 51, and it's like a 29 to 20 type style game. I think this game is going to be much lower than that. I think this is going to be like in the teens type style of, of, of game. And that to me is I'm, if I'm getting eight points, that's an incredible value. Um, so I'm not saying that VT wins this game uh, straight up, but I do think they're able to keep it close. And then who knows? Um, you know, let the one thing I am looking forward to is a very miserable looking Mac Brown and a pouring rain with his, his uh, kind of puffy coat on there um, on the sidelines there. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Uh, but just give me the Hokies. I'm not liking it, uh, but the value there is at eight points. Chris, the sloppy stakes reference was probably the funniest thing you've said on this podcast. Like, <laughs> it's the slop I need... them up. I was thinking the, uh, what is the Seinfeld, uh, 
Yeah, the the Seinfeld the the horse race loves the loves the slop. <laughs> that was the other one, but I, I feel like in today's generation, the younger audience they like the the, the, the newer show. So my Seinfeld yeah, had references, to go a little more modern, references sure. aren't 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 as uh, up to par right now. There you go. I love that. Yeah, more. I think you should leave references in every podcast. We'll try to get one uh, in every show. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. Uh, yeah, but I am on the Hokies here. I feel like, I don't know, can someone remind me what the definition of insanity is? Um, it's it's expecting the Hokies to be able to do something a decade after they were able to do it. Yeah, doing mm. the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both are, both are uh, accurate definitions, and I guess I'm insane. So, uh, But, I mean, I really do think that the hurricane, you know, it's this is a pretty significant factor. Um, and I think it really benefits the Hokies and, and their style of play, not as much offensively, but more so defensively. Um, UNC, they kind of remind me of UVA last year where they are weak all around defensively and they also don't run the ball well. Their strength comes solely from their quarterback and their passing game. Um, so, I mean, their entire production comes from Drake May, essentially. And now he has to throw a wet football. And I think that Drake May is a stud. He is a very, very good quarterback. Um, but he's still very young. And this will be a challenge for him. This may be the biggest challenge that he's had yet, is, is weathering these conditions against a pretty capable defense. Um you know, it's well documented how good the Hokies defense is. And it's also well documented that the Hokies can't run the ball at all. But I mean, the fact that Malachi Thomas is practicing um, and the fact that UNC has one of the worst run defenses in the country, ranked 103rd on PFF right now. Um, if Thomas is able to go and be effective, I think he could open up more possibilities for the offense. Um, so for the Hokies to be able to have this one-two punch of Malachi Thomas and Keyshawn King, I think that that could be enough to circumvent the terrible run blocking. Just enough. Um, you know, you kind of have these two conflicting styles where like Thomas is strong between the tackles and and King is this electric playmaker on the outside. Like you can kind of keep, you know, they're not blocking well. So what you have to do is, you know, you have to kind of keep the defense on on their toes. And if you're going east to west and north to south and you're stretching the defense apart, which I think you could do with these two running backs. Um, and honestly, the Hokies, they don't necessarily need to score a ton of points, I don't think, because of what I was talking about with the Hurricane. Like, they just need to control the clock and they just need to keep it close. Um, this will be the worst run defense that they have faced besides Wofford. And they had neither of those running backs for that game. And yes, this run defense is worse than ODU's. That's well, what PFF would say, and I would agree with that too. So what um, do you, Robert, real quick, what do you need from the Hokies rushing-wise to win this game? Like, because they, they've done absolutely nothing running the ball except for one run by Keyshawn King. Are you talking yardage or? I, vibes, mostly. <laughs> I mean, because uh, I think you can, I, you know, with the weather, like you can probably throw out yardage and completion percentage, like those stats you sure. can probably throw yeah. out for this game. Uh, same right. with NC State Clemson, same with any game you can play in this weather. Right, right. 
Um, yeah, I think the Hokies just need to be effective. That is the word I would describe. Just like I said, you don't need to, you don't even need Keyshawn King to break off a 60 yard run. Like just get chunk plays and stay on the field and keep the defense off the field. Um, so that, you know, you Drake may sitting in the rain on the sideline, you know, in a puffy coat, just like his coach. And yeah. And so I, I think that they will be able to do that because I think that they will learn. And I think that the issue that Virginia Tech's offensive line really has is, you know, we've kind of debated this both online and offline, but these guys have all seemed to take a step backwards this year. And I think it really is about understanding the scheme. And so I think as time goes along in the season, I don't expect all these problems to be fixed in a week and a half, but as time goes along in the season, hopefully these guys will understand the scheme more and they won't miss those reads and they'll be able to, to block the right guy. And so I think those plays where they're getting like, it looks like they just dissolve as soon as the ball is snapped. I think that's more due to indecisiveness because they're, they're not starting the play ready to hit somebody. They're starting the play looking for who they're supposed to hit. And by then they've already been hit. Um, and so I think if they can take some steps forward against a really weak defensive front, I like them to cover. And then if Malachi Thomas is on the field, I like the Hokies to win outright. You are a bolder man than me. That is that, that sigh was unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's I, I can't. I mean, yeah, that has to be the worst response to a point I've ever made. That was hell. No, because I, I understand what you're saying. And I mean, look, the spread last year was five and a half for this game, right? Really, the only time North Carolina's beaten Virginia Tech was the COVID year recently. So I, I see what you're saying. However, I, I don't have a lot of faith in what, in, in the starting 22 players that Virginia Tech is throwing out there seven or eight of them are pretty darn bad at any given moment. It could be any seven or eight, but like they are struggling to put together solid units right now. I think this coaching staff needs the coaching time to get these guys game ready for ACC football. We were measuring it in months in the spring, like, Oh, by the end of fall camp, he'll have them ready. We need to start measuring it in years because there seems to be whatever system they seem to be installing on the offensive line, they better be able to build a rocket by the end of it because the excuse is being run is that they're complex offensive line schemes and stuff like that. They have no idea who to block. So they better be able to figure something out um, if they have a hope of winning a game the next month. All right, Brett, if Robert's pick for Tech to win wasn't nutty enough, let's go ahead and move to your not a pick of the week. So, first loss last week, uh, Rutgers, Iowa, looked really rough in the beginning. You know, I was like, well, I was like, this is over. And then they stalled for like pretty much like two quarters. And I was like, okay, we're alive, we're alive. And then obviously they two touchdowns in the fourth, the, at, towards back half of the fourth quarter, killed it. So, 35 and a half is a very, under 35 and a half is a very bold pick, but. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, that's hilarious, to, especially Rutgers and Iowa. Um, this week, I'm going with a pr- another pretty crazy under. I just like doing these unders. You have to be pretty sick to do them, but it's pretty funny watching these hit just because you're like, wow, these teams really suck. Um, San Diego State, Boise State, under 39 and a half. Um, San Diego State's offense, completely abysmal. 
Um, Braxton Burmeister, I'm pretty sure he did he get benched or is he hurt? He got hurt. Yeah, that's okay. I thought um, he got hurt. But he's like, he's doing what he did last year. He's yeah, playing good. Anyway, their offense it's bad. Yeah, it's bad. Anyway, their offense sucks. Um, it's really bad. And then Boise State, um, Irby's dark horse Heisman last year, Hank Bachmeyer entered the transfer portal on Tuesday. So now Boise State is scrambling for another quarterback. Um, yeah, so that's where they're at in Boise State. Arguably probably the worst-looking Boise State as a program has looked in the last decade, I would say, just from a culture standpoint, player standpoint, fan standpoint. Not really a lot going on there. So I think under 39.5. You know, if you told me to take under under 39.5 for a Boise State game five years ago, you probably would have looked at me like, I need the drugs that guy's on. But – but nowadays, not so much, just because both of those offenses have been pretty abysmal, and then obviously Boise State losing their quarterback pretty unexpectedly, apparently. Um, I think you have to go with the under here. Friday night, too. Under 39 and a half, San Diego State, Boise State. So I guess that means it's time for my graveyard shift game of the week. Yes, my background here, beautiful Husky Stadium in Seattle. That is only part of it, though. I'm going to hit you with a four-team parlay. A little bit of story here. At work, guy opens up his desktop, and his background's a cougar. I don't know why it was a cougar, but it was a cougar. Um, so not only am I telling you like to the bet animal? On, like, an, like the animal. Like the animal. I was um, <laughs> like the animal. Thank you, Robert. Um, so I'm going to have two picks for you, just like I did last week. Um, not only am I telling you to bet Washington – plus two and a half against UCLA, Washington 4-0 against the spread. We're going to ride on Washington and Michael Penix all season bog. Uh, bet on the four Cougar teams, Houston, Penn State, Washington State, and I'm I'm blanking on the other one right now, and I don't have it on my list. Who is it, guys? I'm blanking on it. Help me out. You said Houston and who? Houston, Washington State, Penn State. Who's the other BYU. Cougar team? BYU, oh my goodness, BYU, my beloved BYU Cougars. Yep, all of those teams to win is plus 170 on the DraftKings Sportsbook if you parlay them together. So uh, the Cougar bet of the week. And yes, the Nittany Lion, they, they, it is a mountain lion is their mascot. That's what they mean by Nittany Lions. All right. I'm, I'm expecting a pretty great graphic for that. Just enough in, in a... <laughs> In I was going to say, uh, uh, I'm going to set aside the uh, the inappropriate, obvious cougar joke here and move on to my captain's uh, pick of the week here. Uh, first off and foremost, uh, I have no idea why the uh, purple and gold theme seems to be working for captain's pick of the week. It doesn't make any sense. It's irrational. Uh, but I'm a pretty superstitious person, a uh, big baseball fan. So I'm going to keep going with it. So I, I looked across the board to find, uh, I guess what I would can say, the, the best purple and gold type matchup here. And what better than taking the LSU Tigers minus eight and a half against the complete dumpster fire Auburn War Eagle. I'm just going to leave them at the, at the War Eagle. They shouldn't change their name to that. They need a rebrand. Um, th this is a tale of two teams. Um, I know. Uh, one of them is, is you know, LSU, uh, that early season loss against Florida State, the missed extra point. Obviously, we now know that Florida State, a much better football team than it previously anticipated going into the season. 
Um, that kind of took the national sentiment off the scent of LSU, but they've only been really, really good ever since then. And right now they're metrically across the board, one of the better football teams in the country. Uh, that, that composite rating I referred to uh, earlier in the podcast, I think LSU is ranked eighth. Um, if you look at the SRS in terms of simple rating systems, uh, LSU seventh, Auburn 62nd. Um, that's why we go to the tale of two teams, Auburn. Um, the PSU game, excuse me, Penn State, one of your uh, your uh, fellow Cougars there, uh, Sam, 41 to 12 drubbing at home. Uh, that started pretty much what we can expect from the Auburn, I guess, booster faithful. If you listen to, uh, what is it, Slow News Day, uh, uh, Kevin Clark on the ringer, you had AJ McCarron on, essentially just said that uh, if they hadn't lost, excuse me, if they had lost the Mizu game, which people remember came down to the Mizzou player, just dropping the football this going course. into the end zone. Um, so that should have been a loss for them, which is pretty embarrassing considering how bad Mizzou is as a football team. Um, but he would have been fired right there uh, on the following day. So he is, uh, he's a dead man walking. It's very reminiscent of how the, the Virginia tech last year, when Fuente knew that he just wasn't coming back, just the, the program pretty much collapsed. At that point, the entire uh, give, uh, was it, care meter just completely pegged at zero. Um, you, you mentioned Boise State looking pretty bad. Maybe Harson's going to go back. I have no idea. Um, but I just feel like Auburn's going to be a complete dumpster fire for the rest of the season. Um, and if, you know, they lose this game pretty badly, he's probably going to be fired on Sunday. Um, also, just very impressed with LSU, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, against Mississippi State and Florida State, two pretty good football teams. Um, LSU outscored both of them 24 to 7 in the fourth quarter in each of those games. Um, so I do feel like this is going to be, if it isn't, if it even is close, in which you know most people think Jordan Hare at night, you know, weird things happen. You know, maybe Auburn. That, those were different Auburn teams. This is a much, much more I would could say uh, apathetic, waiting for the season to end, and it's not even the end of September right now. Auburn team. Um, and I, I mentioned the purple and gold theme. What better coach to take than Brian Kelly and the hue of purple that exists on his face as he gets angry on the sideline? He's the ultimate purple uh, kind of faced coach there as well. Um, by, by the way, shout Golden out to Golden Hair. Yes, uh, Sam and Irby for the uh, purple uh, kind of themed mascot teams in their color, uh, Huskies and, and K-State. This is a very pro purple podcast uh other than DraftKings, this podcast is also brought to you by grimace the mcdonald's character uh very regal very regal mascot to have on there as well but uh, oh, i'm taking McDonald's lsu minus eight and a half sounds so good uh, i, I want to fade lsu so bad but i think i agree with you i mean auburn i don't think you could have a worse quarterback situation for an elite program than you do I with thought, bobby ashford and tj finley i mean that's i like honestly like, I honestly rather... thought that there was going to be a lot of like heavy handedness on LSU betting, but the activity right now, I checked action network and it's 52 48 on the betting volume right now. So there's a lot of people that still think that Auburn just there's value there. I don't see it. I think that this Bobby game could be a blowout. He did give them like life on offense last week. Like TJ Finley won't see the field again. Like he's, he's done. He, he won't see the field again. If that is your your go-to right now, I feel like it's way too late. You know that. Oh, is, I agree. No, it's it's over. it's a done deal. Auburn's dead. Mm-hmm. Of course, I say that now, and 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 they're probably going complete now, complete resurgence. So you're you're welcome, Auburn fans. One more year, Brian. I'll say they've loved Harson the whole time. Uh, my free money pick of the week. Uh, honestly, 
I was kind of scouring the score the sports books, and I gotta say they a little more airtight this week. It was harder to find a free money play. Uh, but I'm gonna go to the well that has worked out so well for me on free money, and that is Wake Forest. I don't really understand. This is the one that I can't I can't understand why this line is this way, but they are a seven point dog on the road at Florida State. I understand the strides that Florida State has made as a program. I understand how good they've looked and how much the analytics really love what they've done, especially offensively. But Wake Forest also just went toe-to-toe with the fifth-ranked team in the country. Like Wake Forest is really, really good. I think you could make the case that Wake Forest is the second-best team in the Atlantic Division um, because of what Hartman can do and just his veteran presence um, and his ability to to keep plays alive and to you know find that veteran group of receivers that he has like this is the most experienced offense that Clawson has ever had um and I you know maybe Florida State manages to pull it out at home that could very well be the case but I mean Wake Forest is a top 20 team I, I guess they're ranked 22 right now but this is still a top 20 caliber team that is going on the road yes but they are way better than a seven point dog here. I think the free money play is plus seven. And I would also think about that money line too, um, because I just think they're the better team. And I think there's a pretty good chance they win. I love it. I love it. Well, that's it for our first ever YouTube available show. Congrats everybody. Sorry. It was, it'll be much nicer next week. We'll have much fun graphics. We'll figure out how to rock everything. Yes. Oh, Brett, you disappeared again. Um, any final thoughts on the card this week? Got to do better than last week. Last Got to do better. Last week outside of the Locks podcast was the roughest betting week I've had um, in a long time. We'll put it that way. But, I mean, you win some, you lose some. So, leading up my to last that, thought, I was going to say my last thought would be to take a look at where Hurricane Ian is heading and um, bet the end. Bet the under in those games, yes. Virginia Tech, NC State, all of them bet the under. There you have it. All right, that'll do it for us. Robert, sign us off. We need a big one this week. Go Hokies.
won't let 